Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your weekend content edition. This is going to be your Saturday show where we have a really fun guest on. Uh, we've had Kevin on before. Kevin obviously does his Unexpected Points podcast, which is something you should automatically be listening to uh, for different perspectives around the league and the fun data stuff that they do over at Pro Football Focus. So if you're not following Kevin, if you're not listening to his podcast, please rectify that as quickly as you can because it's well worth your time to learn more about football in general had Kevin on this podcast many times. I think he does a great job, and we have a really good group of topics to discuss today that tie into the Browns and, and Baker and Stefanski and some of his draft takes, and he did a fun study on the wide receivers based on his database grouping that he's going to explain to you as well. So a good Saturday episode here with a lot of topics that are pertinent, and uh, always appreciate Kevin taking his time, and I hope you guys are having a great weekend, enjoying your Saturday. And if uh, whenever you get to this podcast, make sure you check out the Blue Wire newsletter where there are some fantastic opportunities to take advantage of prizes and opportunities signing up for that newsletter. You can find the link to sign up for that newsletter in the bio of this podcast. Let's get over to our interview with Kevin right now. What's up, Kevin? Excited to have you into the show, man. Really pumped to get your angle on a couple of these things. It's been a while since we've talked, man. I haven't really... Uh, touch base for the podcast so so the unexpected points still crushing it what's going on in your world yeah yeah still doing the unexpected points podcast i feel like for me in this weird way the off season is my prime season because i get a little bit more time to sit back and reflect on what's gone on do some year-end studies look at the college football prospects, all that sort of stuff, as opposed to get too dragged into the week-by-week ups and downs of the NFL season where everything is just crazy and fan bases are living and dying based upon what happened in the last drive of every single game. So I I like the offseason. Things calm down a bit and you can kind of dig a little bit deeper. I like what your company does in the offseason too because they bring about a ton of fun studies. All the data you guys gather, which is eat so much of your time breaking down all the tape and, and registering everything. Then you get to the off season and it's like just a ton of fun stuff that comes out. The quarterback uh, annual came out, which I love that. If you are not a subscriber, you should get that. Just, I mean, the, the purpose of that alone is good enough for me. You get so much, so much quality data on quarterback play. And listen, this is not Jake has been very hard on ba- third person myself here. I've been hard on Baker Mayfield and I, and, and, and you might be tired of hearing this, but the angle that Kevin, put out uh with with the blocking um quarterbacks creating their own pressure like which quarterbacks are best at a explain explain the general thing here and then we'll talk about where baker was yeah yeah i mean i don't want to get too much into the into the nerd stuff here but basically what it does is there's actually there's another analyst in our research and development department here timo risque who does uh, who who developed this thing, which he calls a survival curve, where basically there are ways to model things where you look at when pressures happen by how long the quarterback has been holding the ball. And by doing that, you can get an idea of 
the probability that someone survives and survives in this case means does not face a pressure behind a particular offensive line as time goes on. So I'm calculating this out for the Browns and for every other team where it says if two seconds have passed, if two and a half seconds have passed, if three seconds have passed, and so on and so forth. Uh, how likely it is that a quarterback is going to face pressure. And then based upon that, I get an idea of, okay, how many of these sacks could you say that the quarterback has taken are on the offensive line because pressure is coming through earlier than you would have expected? How many of them are on the quarterback because either he is holding the ball too long or when he's facing pressure, he's taking sacks at a higher than expected rate when facing pressure? And, you know, we can get into the Baker Mayfield specific results here, but his number for 2021, and I don't think it'll surprise any Browns fans out there, was not so hot. Not so hot. And listen, this is what I like to see, right? Like, I, I like when the data matches the things I've written about. I wrote about Baker, and one of the tendencies I'd love to see him improve going into next year is that he has this tendency to drift. His eyes take him someplace. He's looking left, and he will, in the top of his drop, start to drift as he's moving through the process of the footwork and timing. And what that does is it creates unexpected pocket landing points for offensive linemen. He also has this tendency of left foot forward drop that he's trying to master since Alex Van Pelt's arrival. And again, some of this is likely tied to his issues he had with injuries in his lower body. He was dinged up in the lower body for portions of the year too. So I'm not trying to make this uh, the, this part here like huge, but like something Kyle Murphy and I who broke down the tape with me noticed was he tends to he tends to have inconsistent drop depths where tackles are expecting him to a have already climbed the pocket or b not be that deep to begin with, and it leads to. It just leads to times where I think tackles let guys win up field expecting to be able to ride them past, and he doesn't do that. So I think that the data matching, A, what I wrote about earlier in the offseason, and B, what Kyle has been talking about for a while, leads me to this big question branching off of your data. Is Baker Mayfield the heart, the singular hardest quarterback to, and I should say regular quarterback every day. I'm not talking about the Fitzpatrick's or some of these other guys that are spot start guy of the guys who consistently start. And as we sit here right now, February 24th, nine o'clock at night, uh, we're considering that Baker Mayfield's going to be the Browns starter next year. Could flip by the time we get off this pod for God's sake. But like, is he the hardest quarterback to, 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 I don't know how to phrase this, Kevin. Is he the hardest quarterback to, 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 to play with, I guess, like, because where, where I'm coming from is two-sided. You're talking about how he does, he can, he creates a ton of his own pressures. He also, when pressured, doesn't save his guys, not very often acting outside of structure, not very often creating outside the pocket or having that pocket wizard, wizardry to step up and shield and slide like a multi-level pocket movement thing. And also, if the scheme, and this is, again, if the scheme doesn't work out the way it's supposed to, is he getting through progressions well enough? The quarterback annual would tell us again. He was he was at the bottom of the NFL, and even in 2020, when he was when he was clearly better and one of his best versions, he still was a struggling EPA quarterback on second read plays. So if he has to come off the primary and find secondaries or find a backside dig, not very good at that either. So if the pocket awareness isn't great, the creation outside of the pocket isn't great to save uh, pressures that happen. Uh, that maybe originate that are not his fault and he's not helping them. And if the scheme has to be called, is he the singular hardest quarterback 
to play with slash coach. Take that and run. See what you think. Well, maybe I'll, I'll break it down a bit here. I think when it comes to specifically the pass protection angle, I will say Baker Mayfield, the 2021 version of Baker Mayfield, might be the hardest quarterback to pass protect for because of the fact that he's taking a high percentage of sacks on those pressures. And I think there's been an analogy made, and I think it makes some sense out there, is that the way that Baker plays sometimes is he he plays like a Russell Wilson type of player who is was notorious, at least maybe more so early in his career and somewhat in the last couple of years about being a very difficult player to pass protect for because of how he plays, but he doesn't have the same level of escapability that a Russell Wilson does. So I, I think he is that. But the problem with Baker is he showed something in his first season, in that 2018 season, in that somewhat, you know, magical run that he had, despite the fact, you know, they were, I think they were 500 team when he was in there, but still a 500 team for a Browns franchise that was coming off of a couple of seasons where they were one in 31 before that season. Um, he displayed a lot of things during that season, which have never come back. And that was, if you look at this metric that I'm talking about here, about whether you're able to prevent sacks or not, he was actually in the positive category for preventing sacks in that 2018 season where he has not been there ever since. He was a player who performed well, whether it be grading or advanced passing metri uh, metrics under pressure versus from a clean pocket. And he hasn't done that since. So I think that's really the problem. 2021 was kind of the culmination of all of the bad side of Baker Mayfield. 2020 was a little bit of a reprieve because of the fact that everything was working around him. He still was taking a little bit too many sacks, but his protection was so good and he was still not performing well under pressure, but his clean, clean pocket passing was so excellent that he, he maxed out in that regard. But the problem is he's never gotten back to that 2020, 2018 Baker Mayfield, who I think everyone looked at. And that's what we we've still been holding on to and hoping he can get to that because that's what separates the great, truly elite quarterbacks from the rest is whether or not they can they can avoid sacks and they can create things out of structure. And we've only really seen that half of a season in 2018 as far as that's concerned. Well said. I like that. That's a more calculated, uh, less aggressive angle than I took. But I just wanted to throw that out because I think it's you can see a light where that is right, right? Like that where yes. that is just like where they're sitting in the coach's office and they're like, I just would love to have him make a play when I don't call the perfect scheme at the perfect time. Right. Or if our left guard gets beat on a, on a twist, like, can you save us? Right. That now there's hope that that could circle back and figure itself out. Some, like you said, but uh, that, that's a huge part of what he still has to prove. And I can't believe we're doing that five years in that he still has to figure out, you know, whether he can handle what, what way that's a big part of the self-awareness with him is like, what way are you going to overcome your issues as a quarterback? How are you going to recognize the best version of yourself, right? Like that's a thing he has to figure out, whether that's becoming a pocket maestro, uh, a, a window passing uh, quick football out of your hand like Drew Brees, like, uh, you know, because you're not going to be Allen Mahomes and, and Herbert and Burrow or guys who are mobile enough to create. He's just He's just not, he's just not, he's not going to do that. And he's proven it over a stretch here that he's not going to be that type. So can you be self-aware enough to figure out other ways that you have to do this pockets of not type stuff, uh, re, you know, progression reads, uh, deciphering a defense pre-snap to post-snap to still have a niche. So that's what I want to see. Does that make sense? 
No, no, that, that makes sense. It's funny that you, you, you know, intimated earlier that you were being hard on Baker Mayfield. And I mean, I don't know what world of the social media verse you live in, but a lot of people are pretty hard on Baker Mayfield. So I, I feel like you are actually not in the the realm of the people who just seem to want to dump on him uh, at all times possible. But he, he's made it more difficult, especially in this 2021 season, you know, with the caveat that he's had the injuries, the other things that he's made it more difficult, I feel like, to really point to the fact that he is going to be the one who can elevate above circumstance. Um, and it's more become that 2020 season where, again, the blocking was good. The receiving was, you know, it was, wasn't great, but the, the scheme worked so well. The running game worked so well that that is starting to look more and more like the peak performance that you're going to try to grasp at and get and get back to. But you just have to get everything else right. And that makes it difficult uh, if you're going to pay him a lot of money, at least. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think we're at the point where they need to just see him like I tweeted about today because Robert Griffin had a, an interesting take that he did not articulate well. I understood what he was getting at. I don't know if you saw it, but he was saying if Baker Mayfield doesn't win the Super Bowl, he's not coming back. And it's like, okay, well, I, I think <laughs> Super Bowl, to- let's calm down. Yeah. Let's run before yeah. we walk a little bit here. I mean, let's walk before we run here a little bit. Yeah, he, he did like a follow up tweet where he's like, well, I didn't mean it that way. I was like. Because it was a, it was an ESPN segment, and then he's like, "I get." He's saying it, the only way he can be retained in Robert's eyes is if he plays Super Bowl quality quarterbacking, which is obviously the elite guys. The you know, I don't have to say them; we know who they are. Or he wins a Super Bowl like a Joe Flacco twenty twelve, where he gets hot and is a, a part of a Super Bowl team. So I I kind of get that angle, but I just need him. Like I just said, hey man, I just would like him to be a net positive. Just don't hurt the right. team. Manage the team and be a net positive, and we'll deal with uh, the, all that banter again about contract down the road. So it ties to Kevin because Kevin seems to get some blame. We saw some folks and folks on social, and it's not it's not just him. Will Blackman, another dude who uh, gets a lot of respect on. Uh, Twitter, some other voices who have tried to like 
to like put this on Kevin Stefanski's scheme and say, and say like, uh, and again, I talked about this yesterday with Kevin Cole. So I really don't want the listeners to think I'm trying to harp on this too much, but I do like neutral perspectives. Obviously Jordan, clearly a heavier Browns lean you're NFL broad here. So you would tell me, Hey Jake, I think you're an idiot. And I think Kevin's scheme sucks. So like the argument that comes out is the wide receivers in Cleveland didn't have success because of how Kevin Stefanski operates his offense and like blaming the scheme, which I think is pretty wild. I think you can have a conversation around personnel and not having wide receivers on the field as much as others, but saying that wide receivers are not getting open and having opportunities to catch the football. I think it's a little wild. And I think you guys had some data to back that up. And I, I just like, I don't put it this way. If, Devonte Adams doesn't come to Cleveland. I get it, but if a top wide receiver, you know anyone else out there, uh, Allen Robinson or whoever, pick your pick your poison. DJ Shark at Christian Kirk. If they said, "Why aren't you going to Cleveland?" They offered you a contract. It's pretty good. Why aren't you going there? I don't think they're saying I don't want to go to Kevin Stefanski's team. I don't want to play there. I think the reasons elsewhere. I just do. I don't think the scheme, while not a scheme built around high volume wide receiver targets. I just don't think that is going to scare people away. What Kevin does. And I, I think it's elsewhere. I just think it's elsewhere, but you tell me if you think the scheme was holding back the Cleveland Browns in, in, in 21. I mean, I, I don't think so. It's it's very difficult to parse all of these different elements. What I've found, and I, I don't want to throw you into this bucket, Jake, but what I found for, for some people is because I feel like you're a pretty fair observer of what's going on. But I think when people play their favorites, whether it be most of the time it's at quarterback, is that if things aren't going well and they don't like the quarterback, then it's the quarterback's fault. And if things aren't going well and they do like the quarterback, then it's the offensive play car slash whoever's dealing with the scheme's fault. And I think we saw this with like Justin Herbert, a lot of people blaming Lombardi and what was going on there. Um, and when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, everyone's going to give all the credit to Shanahan versus Garoppolo and so on and so forth. I think it's, you're going to have different camps with Baker and with Kevin Stefanski. I don't think it's going to be as clearly delineated as it would be with other quarterbacks who people are fully in favor of or fully opposed to. I mean, if you look at what happened in 2020, again, I'm going to, I'm going to point back to this. The thing about 2020 is they had a very efficient passing offense. It was a top 10 type of passing offense. And you look at the players that they had there. You know, you had Beckham for very little time, not very efficient. You had Jarvis Landry with 100 targets. And, you know, Landry's a good receiver, but I don't think he's necessarily someone who's an efficiency-driving type of player for the fact that he doesn't get down the field that much. And again, 100 targets. It's not that many targets for a player like him. After that, you had Austin Hooper, Rashard Higgins, Kareem Hunt was next after that, Harrison Bryant. You know, you didn't really have a ton of talent there, and yet they are able to derive a lot of value there. So I, I can't really point to, you know, Stefanski being the problem because I think there's so many other places to point in 2021, what the problem was. And if we look back to 2020, I think the scheme and how it operated really maximized almost everyone in that mix beyond the offensive line, which of course was a huge key to what they are doing. And maybe you could point to them, if anyone, as the place to not take blame for everything that's happened with the Browns offensive decline over the last season. Totally, totally agree. I, I, I think it's nice to hear somebody understand where I'm coming from because Mike, my, my thing was, hey, if he had Josh Allen or Mahomes or Herbert and uh, and and maybe had a, I don't even know, you could say even Mike Williams or whatever, but if he had a, yeah. a wide receiver driven target, if he, okay, 
if he had that quarterback, I think he would play through that quarterback in a similar, maybe not as high volume as Buffalo because uh, you have Nick Chubb and you have whoever else, you know, Kareem Hunt here right now. So I get you to try to find a little more balance, but he's had Kirk Cousins and he's had Baker and they're not guys who you play through. You just don't play every single thing through them. If he had, again, like to your point, if he was in Cincinnati, do you think he'd go to Cincinnati and not play 11 person all the time? Like the guy's not stupid. He's trying to play to what he has, right? Like, I don't know who you're are. I think you could argue with a Kevin about about how he 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 puts Hooper in line for too many targets. I don't love that. You know, I'm a proponent of moving on from Hooper, but like I think you should have taken a lot of those targets that were going to Hooper by midseason and said we need to redirect those and tried to give them to somebody else like David or whoever. I think there's some things you can nitpick here, but to think that this guy is so dumb that he won't highlight receivers period if he has the right quarterback and the right wide receiver targets and play that football that way you got to look at the two situations he's been in they're they're heavy run indicators you got dalvin cook and you got nick and and it's like okay i would probably prefer to play off of that use my guys because like the thing with the vikings in 2019 they still put up nearly the same point totals as they did the next two years when everyone says the offense got so much better in minnesota they had more you think they had more points per drive in 2019 so like i get i get it when you look at it and you try to analyze it from like a a pro football reference numbers game but like you gotta look at the situations right like they dictate some of the decision making that goes on here because you're not i'm not looking at the brown sideline last year and thinking man i just can't believe they can't get that guy on the field I, I didn't do that. I, so I don't, I'm curious if that's uh, the, a bigger perspective out there, Kevin, than maybe I understand. Cause I could be sheltered here. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is infallible, but I just don't know how you lose the understanding of like who's on the roster and who's at quarterback. When you look at the usages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even when you go back to Kirk cousins, you know, that season, let's remember that was a pre Justin Jefferson season also for, for, for what he, for what he had there. I mean, they had Stefan Diggs and he was, he was playing well there, but I think Jefferson is a little bit taking that that passing game even to to another level. But when it comes to the the Browns, I do think the the failure, if you want to put it on something from a front office personnel perspective, is they haven't figured out the pass catching situation. I mean, Jarvis Landry came in when I mean at a period of time for the Browns where they you know they really could, couldn't get anyone to go there. I mean, they had to trade away draft picks in order to get Landry on a franchise tag to then pay him in the range of a top five type of receiver at that point in time they made the Odell Beckham trade they you know spending cap and 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 uh and draft picks in order to get that accomplished they spent a lot of money on Austin Hooper um, for what's going on there. And they haven't really drafted anyone else in the wide receiver situation. I think they were hoping that that would work, but clearly it hasn't. So if anything, I feel like we're talking about bringing that dynamic element to the passing offense, something where you clearly would say, this is crazy that we're not passing the ball versus rushing the ball with what was one of the most efficient rushing offenses, probably the most efficient rushing offense over the last two seasons. It's kind of hard to critique that and how Stefanski has been playing things when you just don't have enough you can rely on uh, out wide for the Browns to drive such killer efficiency that you wouldn't want to be scheming the way that Stefanski is doing it. Totally agree. We're in agreement. This was a good conversation, a tight 20 minutes, which is rare for us 
along the lines. Actually, I'm not letting you leave yet. I got to ask you one All big right. question. Who do you, uh, I know you're such a draft guru and you dive into this stuff like crazy, but is there a guy you want on the Cleveland Browns in this draft that you think makes a ton of sense? Oh, I don't know. Or There's so agent. many. Or, or free agent that you think makes a ton yeah, of sense. Yeah, I mean, free agency is tough. Like, I'm kind, of, I'm not like an anti-free agent guy, but I feel like if we're going to put on our nerd cap on, it's like almost an automatic negative expected value type of transaction free agency. But when it comes to the draft, I mean, the thing was, I would, I would have said Jameson Williams would have been the guy that I really wanted more than anyone else. The ACL complicates things a little bit because of the fact that the Browns, I feel like are on a timeline where someone who tears his ACL in the last game of the season, uh, the, the, the comeback is going to be a little bit long there. I mean, my, I've been doing some modeling going on for wide receiver and I feel like, uh, Traylon Burks is probably the best guy that I've seen there. I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have asked you about this sooner. I don't mean to interrupt you. Explain yeah. that uh, that 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 database point you're using there. Sure, sure, sure. So I, I mean, I, I don't ignore draft position in this. I bring in draft position based upon. There's this website called uh, Grinding the Mocks where it brings in thousands of different mock drafts that are going on, and it comes up with an aggregate. Uh, expected draft position. So I use that and then I use a bunch of statistical measures pre-combine. Um, but I think for Burks, at least, where he's probably going to put up some pretty good numbers in the combine despite being 220-something pounds. And I put together the production metrics and then I use that against historical data going back for us to 2006, which we start collecting NFL data. And I say, you know, based upon the type of profile the receiver has, what can we expect from them in the first few seasons um, versus these historical receivers that they're most similar to? So Burke came up as being the number one guy. Uh, Williams was number two. Now, the model doesn't know he has an ACL uh, tear, but it does know what his expected draft position is, which is lower than what it would have been if he didn't have uh, that. So that, that that's built into it. So those two guys are at the top. Um, obviously there's kind of like a second tier going on below them of, you know, Garrett Wilson and Olave and other guys that people would be very familiar with in your neck of the woods. But those two guys look like the best, for, look like the best for me. The question with Burks is going to be, it, we've transitioned a little bit in the NFL and, you know, I'm bringing in data going back to 2006. So like that prototype wide receiver one, is not really the way that teams have been performing as much recently. I mean, maybe you could say Devontae Adams fits that mold, but he's not really a downfield contested catch sort of guy. He's more of a, sh a you know shake at the line type of guy. Or you have smaller receivers like a Tyreek Hill, like a Stephon Diggs, um, or even a Justin Jefferson is like a 200-pounder type of guy versus 220 pounds. So it will be interesting to see how Burks fits in, but he was such a dominant force at the college level that he was the guy that popped up as being the best because of how he really dominated that offense. Love it. Great insight. Thought we could do 20 minutes. We pushed past it. That's on me. Got ahead of myself. <laughs> Check out that. Can they find that on your Twitter feed or where can they find more of that uh, database? Yeah, yeah, they can find it on the Twitter feed. They can of course go to PFF. We have author pages too. If you want to see anything I've done. So I've, I'll be coming out with a running back um, model prospect model, Tomorrow, I'll be updating those as the combine goes through. I have a piece coming through early next week, kind of looking at what combine drills are important or not. And then I have more topical stuff. Uh, I had an Aaron Rodgers conservatism. Is he too conservative? Does he focus too much on not throwing interceptions, all that sort of stuff? And that that, that one got picked up a bit as that's in the, the zeitgeist right now. But uh, all those pieces will be coming through and a lot of stuff in the offseason. Like I said, the offseason is, is my time to shine. So I'm going to have a lot of stuff in the next few months. 
The off season is the regular season for Mr. Kevin Cole. Thank you, sir. We it appreciate is. your time, man. So, so much. All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks to Kevin for joining today's show. And thank you guys for continuing to support the OBR. As I always say, every podcast, the numbers, the downloads, the listens mean uh, so, so much to me for the effort that's put into this show. And yeah, that's a huge thing. And I really can't say thank you enough. So sorry for repeating that. If I do uh, too often reminder, check out that link in the uh, description of this podcast today, where you will find the link to the blue wire newsletter sign up that has some pretty awesome prizes, cash drawings. They're doing some fun things uh, that you can, you can win from, from signing up for that. I want to make sure to remind you, you got some gift cards, some free merchandise. And like I said, that cold, hard cash sign up. Uh, sign up today and immediately and you have a chance to win those things so again link in the description of this pod have a great uh, great saturday or whenever you're listening to this have a great day appreciate you spending some time with us and we close with the usual you know what it is go browns When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.